Bring Me the Horizon released Parasite Eve right before coronavirus hit. Is it a coincidence that Hideo Kojima released a game about nobody going outside and basically the only people doing anything are like package deliverers right before the coronavirus and we were all stuck inside and the only people doing anything were like important people. Did Hideo Kojima work with Bring Me the Horizon to create coronavirus to market their own products? To add to it. <laughs> to, just to add to it. Bring Me the Horizon made a song for the Death Stranding soundtrack. Did they really? Yeah. It's called Ludens. I love it. That is a... My favorite song on the soundtrack. You know, like, at first I was joking, but now it's getting a little <laughs> weird. <laughs> it's a... Uh... It's uh, it's all coming together. It's like a really, really weird puzzle. A really weird parasite puzzle. All right. Well, we're recording, Elijah. Oh, hey, look at that. We are. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Frame Skip. This is episode 99, not 100, as I formerly had thought. Um, and it's just mono a mono tonight. It's me, your host, S. Lighthouse, along with Elijah, the man of steel. Elijah, how you been tonight? I'm doing all right. I uh, got a bit of a headache, but doing good. Doing good. Have on you drank water? When's the last time you drank water? Uh, about 20 minutes ago. Do I got to treat you like my girlfriend who doesn't no. drink water? No, I actually, I think I drank probably about 80 ounces today. And Caitlin's over here. She's like, oh, I'm so tired. I feel awful. My head hurts. And then she's like, I'll have a large mocha coffee and nothing else for the rest of the day. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can't really say anything. I start the day off with a mocha frappuccino. So like you start your day off with a mocha frappuccino every day. Yeah. That's just, that's just that's your not every day. Just kind of like every other, every two or three. I can't take the Starbucks like name seriously after watching, um, Zoolander for the first time. You remember that scene? What did they call it? Like, oh god, what was it? Caramel mocha frappuccinos, and they like they spray the head of the gasoline fight. <laughs> Look, do you uh do you do you want to hear the name of my favorite thing to get at Starbucks? Yeah, the mocha cookie crumble frappuccino. The mocha cookie—that's exactly what it sounds like. Like all I can hear is those guys yeah. saying that over and over, spraying gasoline at each other, having a gasoline fight. Yeah. Oh god, I haven't seen that movie in forever. Zoolander wow. is le legendary. And, you know, the second one came and went like a fart in the wind. Yeah, I never saw the second one. My favorite scene from the second one, and I unironically maybe the best scene from the second one, is Will Ferrell walking out of prison, yacked to the gills. But as he's walking out of prison, he takes the, the, the suit off that's making him look, like, shredded. And just like his normal body inside the suit. All right, I don't like Will Ferrell, but that's pretty great. Yeah, well, it's funny because the the gigantic like version of him looks so real, and then he just takes off his suit, and and he's just normal Will Ferrell. But I think whatever that character is that he plays in Zoolander might be my favorite Will Ferrell character because it's it's not like any of his other characters, and it's like it's a really funny character. I th I think the only two roles i like will ferrell in are the lego movie and 
Blades of Yeah, Blades of Glory. Blades of Blades Glory. Blades of Glory is a good one. I like Blades of Glory. We just watched that the other day. I love that movie so much. Me and Caitlin just got back from Disney World, Elijah. Ooh, how was that? It was really cool. It was really cool. We were obviously me and her are huge Star Wars fans. And um we go there and have a blast at Galaxy's Edge. I bought two new lightsabers. I bought Darth Vader's lightsaber. And, well, really, Caitlin got the other one. She got Asaz Ventress's lightsaber from the Clone Wars. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, we had, we had a blast down there. What's really cool is that, you know, Disney resorts are, like, staying on Disney's property is actually the most expensive part of Disney World. Mm-hmm. And you can actually do a Disney trip fairly cheap if you go to, like, the cheapest resort. Um, a lot of times people don't want to do that because... Like, hey, I'm already splurging. Might as well. Yeah, just... well, like the thing is, like a lot of people don't like the the they're called the all star resorts because, um, what ends up happening is like you get Smash Mouth plays every night as you're trying to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, at just 11:30 p.m. just blast <laughs> through all those people. <laughs> no, um, what ends up happening is like I don't know if you remember. There's like bands that go down to Disney every year and like cheerleading competitions, and dancing. Oh yeah. Yeah, so like because they're the cheapest resource, a lot of times those those get booked up with like really annoying like teeny boppers and stuff like that, just hordes of them. It's never bothered me um, because usually when I go to Disney World, we stay in the resorts minimal amount of time anyway. We're always in the parks. Yeah. So I had the cheapest resort booked, the All Star Sports Resort, and because I know I'm just, I'm just gonna sleep there, and you know honestly, they're all nice at Disney World. It's so it doesn't really matter. But anyway, I got a, a call from my travel agent about uh, two weeks before. Yeah, it was exactly two weeks because it was during Austin's wedding. And she's like, hey, they overbooked the All-Star Resort. They're upgrading you to the Animal Kingdom Lodge, which is like a deluxe resort. And Ooh. it's got like, I'm not even joking, live giraffes in the backyard of the resort that you just wake up and see <laughs> in, the, in, in the mornings and stuff like that. It's really cool. It's, it's our um, African-themed deluxe resort, and there's zebras and giraffes and, like, bullies and whatnot. I'm just uh, picturing the, like, you know, the shutters are closed, like, the shades are closed and everything. You wake up, go to the window, open it up, and there's just a giraffe staring in at you. Yeah. And then you're just, just kind of slowly closing it again. <laughs> just kind of, okay. That is that is surprisingly not, like, that far off of what, like, what this resort is. I mean... They, they, you literally wake up. There's a savanna in the background, so like it's, it's pretty cool. Um, no, that's in Georgia. Yeah, that's in Georgia. Yeah, um, and then that was so that was pretty cool. We had that experience last week. We just got back uh, Sunday, and the other reason I wasn't on the week before that was because I was in Austin's wedding, and I'm really good at like freestyling speeches. You know, like I've been, mm-hmm. I've talked for a while. We've done probably a thousand podcasts together and normally when i give a wedding speech because austin i was going to give a a speech at austin's uh, reception and normally when i give speeches what i do is i'll make a rough outline in my head and i'll fill in the gaps right Mm -hmm. like i had had a couple points i was going to walk up and and you know be like you know, get him loosened up with a joke. Be like, oh, you know, another fat guy in the mic. He better be funny. Type of type of joke, you know. <laughs> um, and then I, I I had like a like a ladder effect of a thing of points I wanted to hit. And this has never happened to me before. And I've given m- 
probably five wedding speeches at this point. I got up and my mind just completely went blank. And I'm like, oh my God. And oh no. I took a I took a breath and I just started flying by the seat of my pants. And I thought it was a terrible speech. Everyone else said it was really good. Um coach was there, he said it, I nailed it and whatnot, and everyone seemed to like it, but it was not my it was not my best work, I didn't think. But Austin's wedding was awesome, dude. I I'm so sad I got COVID. I am yeah. so sad. I was so excited for it. Yeah. Um unfortunately he's not here tonight. He's busting at work but he had this gorgeous like venue with this horse racing farm from like the 1800s and it was exactly what you would imagine like a southern mansion would look like it had the giant arches and stuff it was really cool it's a really awesome place and in his town athens georgia is like a really fun city too so we had a blast down there i I need to get down there sometime unfortunately i've been playing too many games this week because of all the excitement, but what have you been up to? What games you been playing? Uh, I'm going to stick to just a few because after, you know, having COVID and then just working a lot. So I get home and don't really feel like doing much. I've been playing a ton, but really the three I want to talk about off the top of my head right now. One is just, I've been playing dark souls three with one of my Mm -hmm. friends and the trophies from that, with that game are horrendous. Get in, in what way? Acquire all rings. Okay. So there are 107 rings in the game. And like six of them can only be acquired in New Game Plus Plus. And like 20 of them can only be acquired in New Game Plus. Okay. So you need to play the game three times for sure in order to get the platinum. And I enjoy these games enough. I want the platinum. And. Then acquire all expressions, which are the emotes. There are 33. Like, 22 of them are missable. Cool. Cool, cool. Uh, One of them is tied to a quest line that if you don't do it almost immediately after getting the character, that character dies. So it locks you out. Okay, well, that sucks, but I can do that. Okay, another one is tied to doing three quests simultaneously doing certain things. Yeah, this is going to be like a four to five playthrough platinum for me. Um, So what you're saying is this is one of those games that requires like a very in-depth guide to get the trophy to platinum in the shortest amount of time possible. I literally have an Animal Crossing notebook right here that I'm going to write down each area of the game in order and like, okay, while I'm here, I need to do this and do this. And then next area, do this and do this. And then maybe at the end of the area, make sure you do this before leaving this area. Hmm. So, so, and I'm going to need to make a comprehensive list like that. Um, That list is just horrible. I didn't play too much of Dark Souls 3. It didn't grab me like Elden Ring grabbed me. Um, did you ever beat Elden Ring? Actually, uh, I forgot. I uh, also want to mention I platinumed Elden Ring. Oh, did you? Wow, congratulations on that. I, for- I think I do remember you saying that in the chat. That- that's great. That-, that that game is honestly one of the best games I've ever played. Yeah, I agree. I didn't beat it. I got to like the very end. Well, not the very end, but I got to like, the- probably the last quarter. I got to the Fire Giant. And I okay, yeah, very close. That. 
yeah at one point I, I got there and we were doing something we were going on a trip for the day or whatever and i was like eh, i don't really feel like doing this right now i'll get to it later and i never got to it later i, I put it off um but yeah elden, elden ring is great but as far as dark souls 3 goes i really wanted to try dark souls 3 i, I really wanted to get into the souls games maybe like a, a year ago before elden ring came out and I was playing Dark Souls 3 and I was enjoying it. I was kind of understanding it and getting it, but I didn't, I didn't get too far. I got I got past the giant tree boss. If you know what I'm talking okay. about. Yeah, and, uh the great rotted. Yeah, and he apparently I think I remember he's like an optional boss. You didn't have Yes, he is completely optional. Yeah, and I didn't know that and I was like struggling with him for like forever um until I looked up a strategy and I was like, "Oh, okay, so he's actually pretty easy once you once you figure out his like move set." And then I got to the next area, and I don't, I don't think I ever got further than that. But um, didn't get too far in Dark Souls three, but I, I enjoyed my time with it. Um, it but... it's a good game, but especially you know after Elden Ring, it it can be so hard to go back because so many of the things that make Elden Ring so wonderful mm-hmm. don't exist in because it is an evolution of the Soul series, yeah. and there are things that didn't exist beforehand or so, if they did just weren't as fleshed out after playing elden ring and getting into it i really want to go back i really want to play bloodborne but i'm waiting on what has to be i mean the inevitable bloodborne remake right i mean there's been rumors have about to. it forever and colin keeps talking about it on the podcast like it's a con- confirmed thing i know you don't listen to sacred symbols but he keeps saying and in he does this, I think, because he doesn't have any like really ties to like the media and the industry anymore. He keeps saying things like, I, I can't remember the exact quotes, but wasn't one it, of them something like, like, "You haven't heard the last of Bloodborne." Yeah, yeah, he something says like stuff that. like that. Like, like he clearly knows something about it. Oh yeah, which is which is why because dude, I hate booting on my PS4 anymore. I re- I really don't. I'm I'm over it. Did I say PS2? Did I said you said four. Yeah. Um, I'm over booting up my PS4 and, you know, Bloodborne just, it was like, it wasn't a launch game, but it was like pretty close to the launch of the PS4. So it's probably nearing 10 years old now. At yeah. Some point uh, 2015. Oh, was it 2015? March, 2015. So about a year and a half after the PS4 yeah. came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I, I'm waiting on that, that hopeful re-release of Bloodborne on the PS5. I don't know what they're waiting on. Neither do they I. And IP, right? They- they do they they own the ip and not only that so when you look at uh how well playstation series i always hate saying the word series uh do and you look at the expectation for bloodborne was originally like a million copies sold Mm -hmm. and it sold like upwards of like eight or nine million that's a massive success and especially Demon Soul, they brought back a remake of Demon Souls, meaning it's not like they think that genre is way too niche or anything. They right. they they understand that people want it. So, what have they been waiting on? Yeah, they've they've shown love to so many of these different homegrown play. Now, granted, it's not a homegrown PlayStation game; it's from from software, but obviously, people love this game. Yeah, and I'm granted they have games like Until Dawn, but Until Dawn hasn't been given that kind of treatment. You don't see 
like newer PlayStation like banners in that that has Until Dawn as like one of the key titles, mm-hmm. but you still see Bloodborne on these marquees. Yeah, there, there is something there. There, my, I, I just want to know. My assumption, my assumption is that after Demon Souls, Bluepoint is is currently working on Bloodborne. They have to be. I mean, I, I, I can't. I would think so. I can't imagine any other scenario. But I saw you were reading the Bloodborne comic. How is that? I really, really liked them. Uh, I read the first three volumes. I need to get the fourth volume, but that one, apparently, there was just, I don't know if there was a short print run or what, but the cheapest I found it is like 45 bucks for the four-issue trade. Are you still um, collecting physical comic books? I I really only do trades now, and I'll only get them if it's something I'm, like, super interested in. Like, I want to get the Dark Souls collection. I want to get that last Bloodborne one. There's I have the Apex Legends one on pre-order. I um, as you know, I have like a giant comic book collection, and I'm thinking about just like taking them and just selling them in bulk. Maybe like piecing out some of the ones that I know are like really expensive, like mm-hmm. uh, first appearance of Spider Gwen, first appearance of Miles Morales, first appearance of the uh, you know symbiote. But like selling the rest, and maybe even like donating to the library or something, man. Because I really I have like these giant long boxes at my dad's house, and I just don't know what to do with them because um, I don't read them. Half of them. Well, not half of them, maybe I probably have 300 books that aren't bagged and boarded over there. And once I discovered digital comics, man, it was it was a game changer because I no longer like I've, I don't think I've ever opened my long boxes with the intent of rereading a comic, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I was gonna say, as far as like Bloodborne goes, I'd be interested to read that series because I always thought the world of Bloodborne was really cool. But my biggest gripe with From Software, and I know a lot of people love it, it's just a personal thing I don't like, is the storytelling. The, the ambiguous storytelling. I hate that, dude. I, wanted I totally to know, get it. I wanted to know so much about the Elden Ring world, and they just don't give it to you. You have to like hunt for it. And I would watch lore videos on like TikTok or YouTube, and I'd be like, how on earth did you guys even get this information? You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't understand it whatsoever. But I don't I don't blame you one bit like that is even the biggest thing I have with the different from soft games as well. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing is like Bloodborne. It took me forever to really fully understand the story in it. <laughs> and the nice thing about the comic. So there's four volumes. Each volume is a different story. So volume one is just a story of this one hunter. Volume two was the story of this uh basically with science versus faith and like with the healing church versus the old blood and the third one is a story based on the one character eileen the crow Mm -hmm. so like each one is a different story set in that world and i think that's why i love those comics so much it's this world i love with a story i can fully understand and like i'll see stuff so like you see some of the creatures in the first one, like one of the main creatures in the game. It's not a spoiler. Amygdala is everywhere, but it even references the fact that, oh, someone can see it and another person can't, which playing the game and, and the game doesn't tell you this, but that creature, you will not see it for the entire first half of the game unless you have 40 insight. Oh, wow. The, I didn't the game, that. the game never tells you that. You only start seeing it after that, 
after you beat this one boss and it basically like it makes itself appear that's so cool there's so much weird wacky stuff in FromSoft games one of the, i watched a lore video on bloodborne years ago but doesn't like the expansions and whatnot get real wacky like don't you go to the moon or something in bloodborne no one of the enemies for lack of a better term is from the moon <laughs> yeah it's, it's like it's one of the main enemies of the game i see i see um it, it's called the moon presence that's all i'll say but okay. yeah it, it's literally and what's wild is if we go based on history we haven't played the best part of elden ring yet yeah so there's this giant theory that we're gonna get like a prequel or something to elden ring or something that takes place in a different like the moon dimension i've, I've been reading about this the dlc for one two three and bloodborne is all considered better than the main game oh okay i see where you're going so so like if we go by history it would mean the dlc for elden ring would be even better than the main game I which see. i don't know if that's possible <laughs> because the main game is so good yeah the Man, Elden Ring was just so good. You could tell that FromSoft took everything they learned from their previous games and kind of combined them together to make this really special game. And, man, even as someone who, like, didn't really jump into the, any of the other Souls games, I loved Bloodborne. Or not Bloodborne, um, Elden Ring. I mean, it, it had a little something for everyone, I think. And what I liked was I was not one that thought that the souls games needed an easy mode i think that argument is ridiculous i think that they should be able to be if they want to make hard games they should be allowed to make hard games as long as they're able to withstand the criticism of it right mm -hmm. but they saw that okay well maybe we should do something here and they added in like a really deep summon system and i really like i really enjoyed that because <clears throat> for me it was really fun to like run into a boss fight and summon, you know, these like old knights or whatever that that I've clicked. Knights or the game. wolves or the random jellyfish. Yeah, yeah. Um, or even like I thought I thought it added like a really nice deep customization system to gear your character out, summon the mimic tier, and then like change your gear to however you wanted to yep. uh, approach the situation. So I thought I thought it was actually pretty cool. I know some people are like, "Oh, that's that's cheating. That's not how you switch to play the game." I'm like, I don't care. No, the people that say that, <laughs> if something is in the game, that's how you play the game. Like, yeah, it, exactly. it doesn't matter. Like, if it is in the game, that's how you play the game. Yeah. People Did you see this? Did you see this theory that, like, I don't know if it's true or not, but a lot of people changed the way they held a controller to play the Souls games by putting their index finger on top of the controller so they could turn the camera and run at the same time. And that created, like, like that's where the furled finger diagram like the image came from because they would they would hold the controller with their front finger like curled interesting yeah, no and, yeah so i like i thought that was really interesting but what else and, are you playing this week uh oh no i just also want to say it's fantastic we're talking about elden ring since i'm wearing my berserk shirt and so much inspiration from that series just the from games come from berserk uh, berserk berserk is a one of a kind property. You don't see anything I else like Berserk. One hundred percent agree. I finished uh, Deluxe Volume Three, 
and it it is just so good. I can't wait to get the next one. Yeah, it, it, it it's it's incredible. You do not see things that dark very no. often. No, and not at all. It's for me. I didn't read the manga. I watched the three Netflix movies, and then um, I've always wanted to like continue the story, but I never oh. got around to it. Um, for me, it was like that is one of the greatest anime properties I've ever sat through and watched once and i don't need to do it again because it's so it's so yeah. dark and like twisted that you're just like okay that was great i don't need to and, watch it and, and, and like at the same time you know like six years down the road you're like yeah i don't forget it i don't forget yeah. any of it because it sticks with you yeah yeah uh to give you an idea the anime starts near the end of the first blocks edition oh i didn't know that yeah um because I, I want to say the anime goes until roughly because I want to say it's volume three, like not deluxe volume three, but of the actual 41 volume run. Mm -hmm. I want to say the anime goes from like volume three to like 14. Okay. Something like that. So that's not even half of the entire story. Right. That, right. That's why I was looking up. I'm like, it seems like this anime is short, but then I found out, yeah, it was just a short story of it. Yeah. So, what I've heard though is that there's like a a really kind of not great CGI based anime that takes place after the three Netflix movies, and it's not good, I guess. So I've I've kind of just relegated I, myself to I'm gonna read the manga at some point. Yeah, so, and unfortunately and, though, it sucks the manga ended early. No, I agree. I will say though, I think the deluxe editions of the manga are the best way to read it, and the main reason being the art is beautiful. And the deluxe editions are a bigger thing. Right. So you open up and that art is just big and beautiful. And I'm so glad I, I didn't go with just the single volumes. Yeah, it was really cool that uh, they had so much in Elden Ring that was obviously inspired by Berserk. Oh, yeah. Really cool. But what else have you been uh, uh, I've also been playing Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt. It is the free-to-play Battle Royale. And the biggest thing I can say about this game is I'm not going to say it's that great, but also it sets itself apart enough and it does enough to be fun to where I can't stop playing it. I, I got the battle pass. I'm like level 36 right now. Oh I go for the dailies. I'm going for the platinum. It's actually not a bad platinum. It's just kind of play the game a while and you'll get, you'll get it. You went deep, huh? I did. Uh, it, it it is fun. I, I enjoy it. And I I really don't know what more there is to say because like I said, it's not exactly a great game. <laughs> it it's from the company that made it, Shark Mob. That this is their first game, and it's basically made up of a whole bunch of division two devs. Oh wow. Which uh you will you can feed on people on the street who will have either sanguine caloric i can't remember the other two kinds like one you can do three levels of each one so it'll be increased melee damage 10 percent, 25 percent, 50 percent uh recover one hp every second two hp every second four hp every second different stuff like that and yeah it's just a battle royale but it keeps my interest so much more than i ever thought it would have you ever played that Final Fantasy VII Battle Royale that came out? 
No, I need to. Actually, I... Yeah, I think I have it on my phone. I just... To me, I saw that and I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good on that one, actually. I, I've heard it's not bad, but it's like, also, you don't need to play it. <laughs> yeah. it Square Enix is so weird, man, because they have so many like really good properties and like so many really great games. And then they do things like that that don't make any sense. Like I don't think anyone was asking for a Final Fantasy VII Soldier Battle Royale. Absolutely not. You know, it's so weird. But then they also put like a lot of effort into that game that's coming out that mobile gacha game that final fantasy 7 oh yeah Crisis or something like that something and like that yeah it looks really cool I'm like why didn't you put this on consoles yeah it, it is apparently like the entire story like the the entire right. final fantasy 7 story every game including crisis core and what was it before crisis that yeah. phone game that never came out over here yes and it looks really great and they're just like we're gonna lock this away on mobile device and i understand in japan and asia in general like phone gaming is like way bigger than here in the states um but i just don't understand why you would go through all of that to make this wonderful little game that's coming out and they're like i'll just lock it away on mobile half of me says oh i hope they give it the final fantasy 15 mobile treatment where they do release on consoles but then the other half of me looks at the pixel remasters and is like oh yeah never mind they probably won't speaking (laughs) Speaking of Final Fantasy 15, I actually, I forgot to bring this up, I, I actually beat Final Fantasy 15 again uh, last week, I think. So, me and you had that conversation about Square Enix like a month ago, and you, we were talking about Final Fantasy 15. And oh, yeah. It motivated me, because Final Fantasy 15 is one of the only games I've ever platinumed. Um, like, like, legitimate platinum. It was like Final Fantasy 15 and Spider-Man. I think... I think Both have, great games. I think I have like some of the other Telltale Platinums, but they're like stupid. Easy they, they were so they were so easy, yeah. Yeah, so I don't I don't really count them. Um, but Final Fantasy Fifteen and Spider Man are the only two games I've ever actually platinumed. And I went I went back because when I platinumed Final Fantasy Fifteen, it was because when you I wanted to replay it and get and do all the new game plus stuff that they added in later on. But when you do a new game plus, it wipes out all your progress towards the platinum, like all your completed quests, all oh. all your exploration and whatnot. So in order to do that, I had to finish the platinum first. And by the time I got done with the platinum, I was so burnt out on 15 that I never went back. But um, I, I hit up Pedro and I was like, hey, man, do you want to do like a really in-depth, deep? Because Pe- Pedro's played Final Fantasy 15 probably more than anybody I've ever met. He was absolutely in love with that game. I was like, you want to do like a really in deep, in depth breakdown, like review of Final Fantasy 15? He was in, he was all in. So um, I did the new game plus. I experienced the new campaign stuff. I did the Arden DLC, which was like surprisingly really fun. Um, and uh, I, I just have to do the Gladiolus and Prompto DLC, which I heard are not great, but I enjoyed playing, the Prompto. But playing them in the game. Cause I, know I, I beat the game before I was ever able to uh, to switch characters and whatnot. I was like really impressed. I was like, wow, this is actually really fun and really deep. And um, playing as Arden in that like DLC chapter they released was really fun as well. Um, it makes me really sad and kind of upset that they canceled the Noctis and um, Aranea and um, Luna Freya. Luna Freya DLCs. 
Yeah, yeah me I think, too. I think he. I think they were taking really good steps forward with the uh, art and stuff, and it's to work on uh, Forspoken, which is getting clowned on constantly on the internet. So that that yeah. uh, that team, Luminous, I think their name is. They can't. Yeah, Luminous. No, they cannot catch a break. But also speaking of Square Enix, the last game I want to talk about that I've been playing, I'm right near the end of Parasite Eve. I've it's been wanting. To, I've been wanting to play this for so many years, and. I finally, I picked up Parasite Eve 1 and 2 a couple months ago, and I've had third birthday forever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I finally started it. And I freaking love this game. It's so good. Everything from, I really love the combat, how it's almost got the active time battle gauge while free movement and... I, don't, I, I think it really was one one of the first of that kind of action RPG genre, at least that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. And just the whole story with it made me want to go back. I want to read the book now really bad, which I, I almost read the book beforehand, but I knew it was going to be super technical and in-depth and I was going to have like a dictionary next to me to read it. But now I want to read it more than any more than I ever did before. But just the way it all plays, the characters, I'm loving this game, and I cannot wait to start the second one. I, I'm right near the end of the first one. What are you playing it on? Uh, my PS3. I actually, okay. to give you an idea, mm-hmm. I'm playing the PS1 discs on my PS3. Okay. okay. And, um, oh my god, yes. Yeah, I watched my buddy Watson play Parasite Eve a, little, uh, a few years ago, and it looked really fun. If you like parasite eve i think you would really like um another game from the same era called vagrant story okay yep i've heard of it uh, but i don't know anything about it yeah so vagrant story takes place in ivalice in uh the oh. Fantasy world. yeah so i think i think you would like that it's got a sort of a similar vibe to parasite eve um just make sure that you play it on something you can suspend easily and resume because the save points i reviewed it on my old youtube channel and that was my biggest criticism. The save points are sometimes few and far between. Hours, hours apart, like, like I'm, many hours. I'm really, really hoping that there's a possibility we could get that on the new PS Plus. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you saw the newest thing today. First off, they shared the like classic games that are coming to it, and they shared like thirty of the like two hundred classic games coming. So uh, there's way more that we don't know about, but also the newest one is on the, what is it, like Hong Kong uh, version of PSN where that's currently up. There's a picture of the main character from Dino Crisis, and Dino Crisis isn't on the Classics Collection, so I think there's a chance that comes. And Square Enix usually plays ball, especially if it's a game that they're not going to touch. Right. So I think I'm not going to say I'm not going to get my hopes up. But I would say I think there's a chance we could possibly get that because so you, who, Square Enix, who were they to throw away money for something they don't need to touch? You were uh, you weren't here when me and George talked about it. What's your what's your gut check on like Square Enix selling off their Western properties? I think first off, I think it's hysterical that they sold it off for 300 million because one of the big things I heard was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and 
Avengers lost them 200 million. It's like, cool, paying for the Marvel property and everything totally costs money. So, you know, probably if they would have made games they wanted to make that they didn't need to pay to license out, that probably would have been a big help. Also, you know, Avengers being... Normally, I would say maybe Crystal Dynamics wanted to make Avengers a live service game. But then we look at Square. We sold them off to invest more in microtransaction and blockchain and everything. I'm like, maybe Square Enix did have a hand in what Avengers was. Yeah. So I'm I'm not sure that wasn't their fault to begin with. But also, a lot... There are a lot of properties that they just sat on. And now... I'm hoping that they kind of do more with some of their older properties that they haven't touched, e.g. Parasite Eve or anything like that. And I'm hoping maybe we see some more of that to fill out more of their catalog. It's pretty clear to me that Square Enix was trying to average out their bottom line a little bit by selling off those those properties and bringing in Mm -hmm. um, a few hundred million dollars because they took three big hits with Avengers and then Guardians of the Galaxy and Babylon's Fall is a massive failure, like a historically massive failure, um, which reached a, I don't know if you saw a Steam concurrent player count of one, one. recently, one. and that is like, for a AAA game that came out this year, like unheard of. So. My, my One of my favorite headlines of any article I've ever read is Square Enix is still updating Babylon's Fall for the one person playing it. Yeah. It's it's a shame because I actually thought Guardians of the Galaxy was fantastic. Like, oh, it's so really, good. Really, really good. But it suffered from Avengers coming out right before it and everyone thinking that it was going to be more of the same. And also, mm. I think I specifically remember them having a terrible, terrible Guardians of the Galaxy like showcase at E3, which was like a 45-minute gameplay demo. It, it was, was so, so, yeah, it was 20 minutes of a 45-minute uh conference so like 20 minutes in right before it ended everyone's like so are we going to see other things what and and it's not even just you general consensus is that game did not show off well yeah um i and i I remember watching that and being like hey this is this could have been a two minute demo and i probably would have been in but now i'm over it (laughs) they showed like the entire first level of that game yeah all right this sucks but i actually did buy it and i really enjoyed it um but yeah, I don't know. But, but also, what is your uh, gut check on the rumors of Final Fantasy 16 being turned off and maybe even released this year? I I think it will definitely be shown off. Uh, you know, Naoki Yoshida, aka Yoshi P, is the head of this game. He's the person who helped turn around Final Fantasy 14. There's a reason people say in Yoshi P we trust mm-hmm. because. He, he knows what he wants to do and he gets it done and he cares about getting it right. So I think it will be shown off this year, like hands down. But I have a feeling it's going to be a spring release. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. I could see it coming out in the fall. I could see them like revealing it again and releasing it a few months later. That'd be cool. I, I, I love it when companies do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Square is not known for that. They're known to like advertise things until... They don't even need to play him anymore because yeah, seen you've seen the entire game. Yeah, um, so I think I think because now they're saying that there's not going to be a PlayStation, a large PlayStation showcase anytime this summer. That's probably going to come come 
later in the fall. I could see it being at the uh, PlayStation Showcase since it is an exclusive. So uh, that's probably going to be the game that I uh, eventually break and, and buy a PS5 for because I'm waiting for a reason to buy a PS5 right now, honestly, because I really don't have one. I, I think one of the big things for me with it is I I can't look at it and get excited just because, like you said, we know Square is likes to draw out. So, like, I'll get excited once we're a month out of the game's release. We just, like, at that point, that game is probably not getting delayed. Let's go. Yeah. Um, Square is also really good at creating fake gameplay demos. And they do this all the time. They've done it for years. I don't know if you remember that some of those really old Final Fantasy uh, 15 or, or Versus 13 at that point in time. They were really old, like, trailers, but they were, mm-hmm. like, in quotes, gameplay demos. Yeah. But looking back at them, you can clearly see that they are not gameplay demos whatsoever. They're pre-rendered trailers with, like, a user interface plastered on top of them, which is, like, absurd. But Square Enix has been doing this for years, and I think that's probably what they did with Final Fantasy 16 as well. But instead of doing that, they made, like, real quick Unreal Engine slices, which is not hard to do. And um, that's what I did, like, a trailer breakdown when that game was first revealed um, on our YouTube channel. And it did pretty well, but that's what I was saying was, like, I think this is the only part of this game that exists. But um, hopefully it comes out good, because this is the first Final Fantasy game. I'm almost positive the first Final Fantasy game where the main character is a red mage, and I'm really excited about that. We're, we're we're completely disregarding the biggest thing about Square Enix selling off their Western properties. What's that? It's that the company that bought them, and they have since come out and said so, is very well known for, do- for doing remasters and remakes of old favorite games. Give us Gex <laughs> and Legacy of Kane. <laughs> Legacy of Kane would be a really good one. I, I I don't even need a remake of Gex. Just give me uh like remaster or port that has like, hey, here's a Gex trilogy. I'm like, heck yeah. And I've never played Legacy of Kane, so I want to. So like Yeah, I really want to I play Legacy of Kane as well, but they're so old at this point that they're so dated that it's hard to go back and play them. Exactly. So it's like if they give us a new one, and it's it's not like nobody wants them. And so to give a giant change square or uh, tomb raider the trilogy sold 38 million and square enix considered that a failure yeah i don't know what they were thinking the the new evil dead game that came out sold 500,000 in its first week and that was considered a raging success some of these like japanese games like Years later, like, hey, we finally sold a million copies, and that's considered a success. Yet, the first Tomb Raider sold seven million. They're like, that was no, should have done better. That was a failure. Like, what? What? Why? Yeah, I don't know what they were expecting for that to sell. Like, like, what was your goal? Was it 10 million, 15? You know, like, God, the first Tomb Raider, I think, is really good, and the second it's so was good. fantastic. The third one, not that great, but the first two are fantastic. I think the third one is really good, but it definitely has problems. Yeah. I think the gameplay is good. I think there are problematic points in the story, I should say. Yeah, it's it's weird how they wanted the main character just to be a villain. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. I was like, okay. And, like, part part of me understood it because it's like, oh, she's learning. 
that like what she like things she does has consequences in ways that she never experienced before but also it's just like every time it's like oh i need to make this right check off makes another wrong choice like okay well didn't didn't they officially announce a fourth one yes um they announced it is going to be in unreal engine 5 and so i guess that's now going to be an embracer group game yeah i wonder how this sale is going to impact the development of that my guess is it's not because and the main reason being you know these sales don't just overnight hey i want you guys to know you've been sold so like you have like 24 hours to move Mm -hmm. they've known for a while so it's probably just like all right so there's a transition coming and we'll do what we can, and then once it's done, then we'll focus on other parts of it. That's my guess. I, I don't know, but... Yeah, I don't know either. Um, hopefully, Embracer Group takes care of those things, and, and, and those properties, and does well with them, but... Embracer they got good studios. They do, but they haven't done a whole lot with those studios. You know? Like, no, they haven't. For how much they have, they haven't done much, and it's making me wonder like what are they up to you know? and especially with what what was it i read embracer group has a hundred and seven studios something like that yeah it's really weird um they have amplifier game invest which has like 20 studios as oh they own asmodee holy crap so Asmodee Digital does like literally all of the digital board games. They own the digital board game front. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like anytime you see a digital board game, guarantee it was made by Asmodee. Hmm. Um, they have Coffee Stain Holding, Dark Horse, Deca Games, Easy Brain, Gearbox Now, Coke Media, and Coke Media has a ton under their belt. They have Saber Interactive, which has like twenty under their belt. THQ Nordic has like 20 under their belt now add these three more they, these are good studios but we just haven't seen speaking of saber interactive did you see the news that they jumped on the knights of the old republic remake yes that so, has me more interested yeah because the studio that was i don't even remember the studio that was making the knights of the old republic remake they were they were like a no-name studio but saber aspire yeah aspire saber interactive could come in and really help them and i'm, I'm really excited about that because that is a, a property that needs desperately taken care of by someone that like is gonna really take care of it hmm have you ever so, played Knights of the Republic? way back in the day like it, it's been a long time and i was super excited to try it again but then i'm like i feel like that game might get the remake treatment and then the remake got announced i'm like i'm just gonna wait at this point well it's also really dated because it doesn't have controller support in any capacity at all which is weird because it came out on Xbox, but if I, I was going to say, I I would probably play it on Xbox. So I was going to say because if you play it on PC, you cannot play it. You plug a controller into it; it doesn't work. Yeah, that's so weird. And it, I'm going to guess there's probably not that many. I I don't know though, like mods for it that would. So I looked into it because I, I mean I love modding my games, and there's not really a mod that 
adds controller support that I could find. You can, I mean, you could like manually add controller support to any game by mm-hmm. mapping stuff, but it doesn't usually work too great. And um, Knights of the Republic was at its base meant to be like a point and click adventure. Yeah. Like old school RPG, not point and click, but kind of. And um, it just doesn't work well with the controller. Like even if you played on Xbox, like it's still kind of. It, oh, it, yeah. It, it has showed its age. I, I should say. Absolutely. But, um, uh, the reason I say that is, so I started uh, Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines uh, a few months ago, mm-hmm. and actually I need to get back to that. But there's actually a mod that it's an unofficial mod that the makers of the game say, yeah, you want to download this mod to go along with it. So it's an officially unofficial mod. I don't know the best way to put it, but and it literally. So I played it without the mod at first because. I, I can do the Steam Workshop stuff where it's just, you download it, boom, it works. Right. But this was the first time I ever did that. All right, download it, put it in a specific folder, name it the specific thing. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing as I'm just using my keyboard. And then I played it with that mod installed. It was like a brand new game. And that's why I wasn't sure if maybe there was something like that for uh, yeah, Night's Old Republic. But... Not that I found. Elijah. Yes. Did you see the news about TCL seemingly confirming that the upgraded versions of the PS5 and the Xbox are coming out in 2023? I did not. Yes. So TCL, of course, is the famous TV company. That's where I've bought my last four TVs from. Um, I, I like them. They generally make like really cheap, smart TVs that I think are pretty good quality. And uh, they had a conference uh, saying that they ex- are expecting the like PS5 Pro and the next Xbox Series console to come out in 2023. And I wanted to know what you thought about this. I find it very interesting because I feel like that's very fast for two reasons. First off, these consoles just came out. It's, it's only been two years. It's not like they're even that like underpowered compared to if you compare two years into the PS4 and Xbox One life cycle to two years in the PS4 and or PS5 and Xbox Series X life cycle and compare those to PC, like the better PC stuff at the time, they're still much more powerful compared to the, what where the PS4 and Xbox One were at. So I just looked it up. The PS4 Pro came out on november 10th 2016 so about three years after the ps5 or the ps4 came out okay actually november 12th that was almost exactly three years yeah november 15th so this the ps5 came out in 2020 correct was it 2021 no it was 2020 2020 so Wait. 2023, yeah, that, yeah. Would, that would be... That okay, that would be right in line. Okay, yeah. But so the, the thing that I think is weird about it is it feels like this generation isn't even getting ramped up yet and that these consoles aren't even really putting out games that are taking full advantage of their hardware. It doesn't seem like, like many games are coming out that are going to take full advantage of the PS5 and the Xbox series. Yeah, like, I'm, 
I'm perfectly okay with my PS5 not upgrading to another one because like the the biggest thing for me is all the games I get, even older ones, are going to run better on this. Okay, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, but like the other big thing that gets to me is I feel like they're still just not getting into people's hands as fast as people want them to. So like it seems really weird, but all right, we're gonna upgrade them. It's like, okay, but people don't even have <laughs> ones they want yet. Yeah, like, I've yet to see a PS5 in stores or, or an Xbox. It hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah, actually, neither have I. Neither have I. Um, and I'm wondering, like, are we ever going to see them in stores at this point? Because people, I keep hearing people saying they're not hard to get. And granted, I haven't tried because I haven't really wanted one, but it doesn't seem like like I, i've checked a couple times at like on like walmart.com or like best buy and whatnot and they're always out of stock so yeah i'm not really sure yeah same and uh i know uh they come on to what is it like playstation direct website or whatever all the time and they sell out right away yeah i i actually i don't think i know people are saying that like it's scalpers i don't really think it is at this point anymore it doesn't seem like people are buying these consoles um, secondhand on eBay or, and whatnot. I, th- I think it's more or less just there's not many of them. Being yeah, made. and uh, people are buying people that want them are buying them and they're gone. Yeah, I um, I know you and George and Austin all had a, a pretty interesting conversation about this current gen. What are your thoughts on the PS5 currently? So, like, you know, I love my PS5, but the biggest thing I'll say is these are a luxury item. Nobody needs one. I mean, not even just the f- fact that, you know, there aren't that many, exclu- like, next-gen exclusive games yet. We're starting to see some more, but at the moment there aren't. But the biggest thing is just this is a luxury item. I I would say what what it comes down to is what do you play the most? If, you know, you play PC the most, I would say, no, you don't need a PS5. If you play PS4 the most, like, you know, I play my PS4 almost every day, then the PS5 is, I would say, get, like, get one. Because then everything you play is just going to run better, run smoother, load quicker. And we've, Austin and I have talked about four, and I remember even him saying, hey, I was wrong about this. When it comes to load times and the big difference with them, it can it can make a big difference. But it all comes down to where do you play and how much do you play? So, yeah, nobody needs one of these consoles. Yeah, it's, it's weird to me because i played last gen almost entirely exclusively on my ps4 and ps4 pro and i switched to pc i always had a pc but i didn't really play too much on it i switched to pc in 2020 i think maybe 2019 and i just never looked back and it's weird because i think playstation might be falling into this classic like nintendo spot where it's like all right, well, you can buy a PlayStation for exclusives. And that's good enough because PlayStation exclusives are so good. But I also feel like people that bought the PS5, I can understand why they would feel burned because I 
you drop six hundred dollars on this console or more and it's like all right well i want games that are built exclusively for it to take full advantage of it mm-hmm. and i can see why people are starting to have a little bit of an uproar about hey where are the games for this thing because i don't think i I don't think ps4 games count and e- even so or i should say even more so with games like for example elden ring the recommended way to play that game the best on a PlayStation console is to play the PS4 version on a PS5. Mm-hmm. Because then it'll run at 60 that. frames per second. Now, I granted, there there are... I, I do think, not for all of them, but for some games, the uh, DualSense triggers mm-hmm. are really good and really add to it. Like, much more than I ever would have expected. But I do think that's a low number of games right now that I feel that with. And sure, some games have better lighting and ray tracing, and I'm not looking at, man, I can see the, okay, what was it? Uh, Fatal Frame, the PS5 version had like better lighting and everything. At no point was I looking at the water going, man, look at those reflections. I was looking around going, where are them ghosts? Where, where them ghosts? That's what I was looking for. I wasn't looking around and be like, whoa, that looks pretty. No. So, like, yeah, I I don't know. There, there's nothing There's nothing that has come out. There's, I want to say, like, three, I want to say two PlayStation home studio games that are exclusive. But other than that, there are just not many next-gen only games. Mm-hmm. And I would say even beyond that very few where like the upgraded version is that much of a difference. The, one of the big things that always comes to mind for me is comparing the PS3 and PS4 versions of middle earth shadows of Mordor mm-hmm. and the PS3 version of that game was basically unplayable next to the PS4 version. There was that major of a difference. It didn't even have the nemesis system. Like it didn't, the thing that game was touted for wasn't even in the last gen version of it. It had like a it had like a fake version of the Nemesis system. Yeah, like it, 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 like the orcs and whatnot were there, but they didn't like grow and evolve. No, like the Nemesis system. Did. Yeah, so like, I we haven't seen anything like that where like, man, this PS4 one is okay, but you pop it in the PS5 one is fantastic. No, we haven't seen that, yeah. and it it all goes f- towards what is the upgrade that these systems give the upgrade between ps3 and ps4 or 360 and uh xbox one was so major in these areas that you could see that huge difference uh the difference between the you know the last gen the ps4 xbox one and this new one is hey you know that open world game that had three buildings you could go in yeah now you can go in 50 it's not it's not stuff that on the surface is entirely noticeable. It's those little things that are like, oh, you know what? Now you mention it, this does have more of stuff like that. But it's not anything surface level that, you know, you see the big difference like last time. I think you're going to see a lot of upgrades in the next two to three years that really change the way games are not only being developed, but the way they look. Because so many companies are now switching to unreal engine 5 mm-hmm. and 
one of the big selling points for these new consoles was ray tracing 4k 60 frames per second right mm-hmm. well these consoles required so much power for ray tracing based on an old way that we were using ray tracing a lot of processing power a lot of you know literally tracing the way the light reflects but in unreal engine 5 they have a proprietary lighting system that does almost the exact same thing with minimal resource requirements required and that's the big thing with unreal engine 5 is that you can make games gorgeous for a low cost of resources yeah and algorithmically when you look at something in the distance and we've done this forever but it's just not efficient when you look at something in the distance in unreal engine 5 it's a low polygon count but the closer you get algorithmically it adds more polygons to it so the things in the distance aren't going to take up resources and it's, it's sort of the same way for the light the lighting is done in the development of the game it's not done in real time mm-hmm. um when you're playing the game and that is something i think is gonna be really interesting because ray tracing is kind of gonna fall to the wayside except for like on pc which is always you know the frontier for like high end mm-hmm. the top tier graphics but I also I don't know if you saw this. I think it's crazy. Nvidia could be releasing their 40 series this year. Yes. As early as in like a couple months. I feel like the 30 series just came out. Yeah, I do too. I'm like, and I, don't I, I don't know. I don't know if that's because they're like they're hard to get or what. But yeah, it feels like they just came out. Well, GPU prices should be coming back down any any second now because um, Bitcoin miners. First off, Bitcoin mining is is not getting as popular anymore. Yeah, and also, um, it's it's not so much GPU powered anymore for Bitcoin mining. So, that's really nice. Yeah, I I I, I, I find that so strange. It's so fast. Yeah. Um, but, all right, I think we've wrapped up about as much as we need to wrap up this week, Elijah. You got anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I just want to add, if you are listening to this uh, right when it comes out or the weekend it comes out on Sunday, May 29th, I am doing an all-day, 12-hour stream, charity stream, for NAMI, which is the National Alliance for Mental Illness. Hmm. And, yeah, just stop on by. Nice. That's a, that's a pretty cool thing. So the 29th, right? Correct. 29th, NAMI, twitch.tv slash local lizardman. So, Correct. All right. There we go. Check Elijah's stream out. It's for a good cause. And if you've listened all this way, I'm assuming you're a big fan. Please give us uh, a like and subscription on YouTube or a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Um, Our last two podcasts blew up on YouTube for unknown reasons. So maybe maybe we just hit the algorithm. I don't know. It seems pretty, pretty weird that all our other shows had a low view count and the last two shows got like a hundred times that. So I'm not really sure what happened there. Gotta love math yeah (laughs) um thank you guys so much for watching uh remember you can follow us on twitter actually i don't think we really use the frame skip twitter account anymore you can follow elijah at uh what's your uh what's your local lizard man okay i wasn't sure for for some reason i thought it wasn't local lizard man anymore also if anybody has any questions for the podcast feel free to just tweet them at me and let me know it is and i will make sure yeah tweet at me you can tweet at Elijah or me, um, as far as questions go, don't follow me on Twitter. First off, you probably don't want to. And second, uh, I barely use Twitter. So, 
Uh, thank you guys so much for watching, and until next time.